The Biscuit is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. I just loved seeing that the impact that she had on everybody else. I mean, she, if she, she didn't know a stranger. People were so intrigued by her and her story and what she was doing that she just knew that sometimes someone just wanted to come up and hug her and they would be total strangers and she would do it and she'd sit on their laps and she would go with strangers and talk to people about coming out and giving blood and, um, and it was, it was just incredible to see because really she got it at two and a half. So to see a four and five year old girl come up to you and ask if you'll come to her blood drive, I mean, come on. It was just insane. Murals are an amazing thing for a city and they're really important, um, especially in a city that's growing like this. Um, it allows us to communicate and show our ideals as a city, as people, not just on the surface level, but the true community behind the growth of the city, the working class, the everybody that's building this city together, murals can create that. Welcome to the Biscuit Podcast, everybody. It is Matt Olin, the co-host, sitting here with Tim Miner, the other co-host. How you Hey-o. doing, Tim? Hey, and we are sitting here on Tim's beautiful back porch. It, yep. it, there's a touch of fall out here. I'm looking around it's at cr- the. It's crisp. It's crisp. I feel like I can really feel uh, the Charlotte fall coming. I really can mm-hmm. out here. So great idea recording this out here. And I do have to say, I'm looking at some some leaves outside. Uh-huh. Are those leaves from this year, or are those leaves uh, from last year? So, um, on advice of counsel I, <laughs> and fear of my wife, I'm not going to answer that. But I do want to say, for those of you who consider not raking leaves um, lazy, uh, leaves are biodegradable. I, who, and and for, uh, why they spend are. money on mulch when, when Mother Nature provides uh, yes. free mulch every year? Eventually, it will become mulch. Uh, <laughs> well, great. I was just curious because it's September 19th, and while I still feel a little touch of fall in the air, I don't think the leaves have necessarily fallen to that degree yet. So you are pre-mulching let's, for 2020 with last year's leaves. I get ah, it. Let's um. All right. Let's move on. You, it looks like you're you're hurt in your shoulder a little bit. I, Is this true? I, well, it's my I'm favoring my back. Okay. Uh, I, this isn't I, from I, raking leaves, obviously. <laughs> so what what no, happened? It's not to your um, back. Well, I, while I would love to say that it was from working out. Um, I was working late <laughs> last night and decided <laughs> that a midnight snack, uh, again on not on advice of doctors' oh, counsel, midnight snack. was a good idea. And I tri- tripped over one of my cats. You so tripped the, the late night snack, household cat combo, deadly deadly combo. There. Okay, so this seems like maybe an Ortho I Carolina mean, fu- visit is in your future. Be <laughs> thank God they're one of our sponsors. I know, absolutely. I know. Well, I, w- I do want to say I fought through the pain though, and and wincing though I was, I did have the midnight snack. So nothing is going to deter me from my my task. So beware, everyone. Uh, don't <laughs> work late. Work out. Okay. Th- Moving that on. That sounds like a tagline. <laughs> All right. Well, I, so. Back aside, uh, I can do this. I can talk about uh, the incredible spicy biscuit that we have today. Ooh, yes, and I'm hungry. So the, adding the spice and a lot of heat is uh, we have a great interview that I did with Aaron Santos, the founder of um, the Isabella Santos Foundation. We love Aaron. We love her. Um, and, you know, she's such a force of nature. Uh, the, the that article, is true. The article really has a lot of sweetness as she talks about 
um, Isabella's struggle and the origins of the of the organization, um, as well as where they're headed now. And they have mm-hmm. an incredible um, Instagram uh, series that they're doing right now called Through My Eyes, where they are doing uh, Instagram takeovers with uh, pediatric cancer patients and their families. Wow. So people can really understand what they're going through. Um, but I, I'm going to warn the audience. I, I, I think it's a great teaser, but I do need to say um, she did a brilliant interview, and then at the end I took the governors off and said, if you could use one swear word to describe cancer, what would it be? And then she proceeded to paint with that swear word <laughs> like Rembrandt would attack a canvas. Yes, and it was a prolific, it was prolific amazing. swearer. Yes, yes. Uh, we love this about right. her, actually. Uh, we love this about her. So Aaron. be warned if you have delicate ears. Parental discretion but, is advised. But I will say that anybody who's been through cancer, particularly with a child or personally, uh, I think Aaron really gives voice to the, just the incredible pain and frustration. And sometimes dainty words don't suffice in that situation. Aaron, you can say any word you want as many times as you want. She takes you up on that. <laughs> um, so we also have an interview that Andy did in the field with uh, Sam Guzzi and Brand the Moth on her Metamural project. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a mogul moment with our buddy Nikki Eason. Um, and then at the end, we're going to have a quiz where you could win free coffee with Matt and me at not just coffee, Jay Street. Again, yes. that's our reward. I, if you could see air quotes on a podcast, <laughs> you'd know that. I think the free coffee is really the treat. That's really the the prize, and and they can decide to. to actually, when we meet them there, they could actually say, "I'd rather drink this by myself," and and that would be okay. We'll get it. I mean, we don't really like spending that much time with us either. <laughs> um, so so we understand. But that again, maybe the reward is the choice. You get free coffee, and maybe. <laughs> If you're a pa- if compassionate person, you spend time with the two of us. All right, so save yourself for the end here. Answer the question uh, at the end of the podcast, and then we will pick someone to meet at Not Just Coffee on J Street. And next week's Biscuit Podcast is going to be exciting, too, because I got to sit down with the author, Gavin Edwards. Uh, he has written so many books, uh, but, but one that's been getting a ton of focus and um, chatter lately is this one he did about Bill Murray. And so we got to sit down and talk it's about. It's a great book. It's a great book. We got to sit down and talk about um, his love of Bill Murray, everything he knows about Mur- Bill Murray, that everything he learned having written this book, and a special cocktail that we Ooh, made. Hey, you added and drank alcohol together. to that mixture. We did. It was a Bill Murray, uh, uh, you know, cocktail recipe, and so there is drinking involved as All well. Right. Well, I'm hungry, so let's dive into this biscuit Let's podcast. Do it. Um, we got a we got one more piece of business, and that is to thank our incredible sponsors who make this podcast possible. We could not do this podcast and so many other projects without the support of Ortho Carolina, Crescent Communities, Four Eyes Productions, and of course, huge shout out to our producer Andy Go. It's go time. It is go time, and yeah. we are also proud members of the Queen City Podcast Network. And last thing we ask, if even you're mildly entertained today. That's or, or that's not, probably the case. Not annoyed by this podcast. <laughs> okay, the bar please, is really high. Please go to uh, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, and many other podcast players and give us a five star review. It really helps us out. Five stars is really the only option here, right? I, I need some validation. We really, I need some validation <laughs> too. Give us some five star ratings, folks. All right, let's jump in, Matt. All right, let's go. Hello and welcome back to the Biscuit Podcast. This is Tim Miner. I am really excited to be sitting across from um, a charlatan that truly just inspires me. 
uh, every day and challenges me and challenges all of us to do something, uh, particularly around, about, around fighting cancer. So today we're going to talk about all the things, Aaron, that, that you and the Isabella Santos Foundation and Cancer Mess With are up to in Charlotte and beyond, uh, things that people can get involved in, and just the origins of how it all started. So welcome. Great. Thanks for having me. Aaron, you founded uh, the Isabella Santos Foundation to honor the memory of your daughter, Isabella, who passed away after a long battle with neuroblastoma in 2012. You know, events like that affect people very differently. Um, and you've taken a, an approach that, that really takes metal and a particular personality to undertake. What were you determined to do through the experience that you had and for Isabella after all of that? Uh, you know, it's funny because I think that people create charities for different reasons. And I think for us initially, we created it because we were just trying to save her. Um, and then as we started going through it, then, you know, you meet the other families. And then um, Isabe Isabella definitely was doing it for the other kids. Like when we would have the run, she'd be like, oh, my God, I want I hope Joey can come out, which was another little boy that had neuroblastoma. And it was never about her. I mean, for my for Stuart and I, it always was about her. Um, but then for her, it became about other people. Um, and I think that's kind of how everything got started. And then after she passed away, then you kind of hit a crossroad of, do I want to continue talking about this the rest of my life, or do I just want to close up and move on? And honestly, the first year of it was really, it allowed me to go through the grief process because I still wanted to talk about her. And you, I didn't, I couldn't go to coffee shops and sit with my friends and just bawl and cry and, and talk about it because they didn't know, do you want to talk about it? Do you not? And the foundation kind of gave me a way that I still could talk about it because um, I did a lot of it through writing. So it was almost like I was keeping a diary. Um, and then I just kind of, the foundation just kind of just kept growing and people were doing it in honor of Isabella. And then we were finding other kids that, that had it and following their stories. I think initially I couldn't follow the stories because for me it was just like a car wreck that I was watching over and over. Um, but we just knew that I think that she passed away because not enough people were doing something and I felt responsible to do something for others. Um, cause I knew also why you're going through it. It's so hard to raise money or do anything while you're going through it because like clockwork, she would relapse every August and we had a race coming up and it was, just, I mean, I don't know how people do it. So I think we just kind of felt responsible and just took all these families under our wing and it also helped in the grieving process. I have to say, you know, thinking about making that transition mentally from it not being about me to being about other people is something that adults, many adults, I think, would struggle to ever get to that point. So for Isabella to have done that herself, I mean, that's that's a remarkable little girl. Tell us a little bit about kind of what her personality was like. Um, you know, I, it's funny. I always find that that's the hardest question to answer um, because I got to see such a wide variety of sides of her. You know I mean? Unfortunately, well, actually, fortunately, I was the main caregiver. So I got to see, you know, I took a lot of Isabella's shit, you know, <laughs> I mean, when she was in a bad mood or couldn't go somewhere, I mean, she took it out on me. So, I mean, we had that relationship, too, where, you know, somebody else would come in the room and she would have ignored me for four hours. But somebody else comes in the room and she's happy to see them because I always say that I was kind of the one that felt like I was her torturer, you know. Um, but 
I just loved seeing that the impact that she had on everybody else. I mean, she, if she, she didn't know a stranger, people were so intrigued by her and her story and what she was doing that she just knew that sometimes someone just wanted to come up and hug her and they would be total strangers and she would do it and she'd sit on their laps and she would go with strangers and talk to people about coming out and giving blood and, um, and it was, it was just incredible to see because really she got it at two and a half. So to see a four and five year old girl come up to you and ask if you'll come to her blood drive, I mean, come on. It was just insane. Um, so, but I also loved that, you know, even though we had those tough parts too, the times that I got to spend with just her and I, you know, traveling to New York and, um, you know, a lot of times when she was in a bad spot, she just wanted me to just be there with her. And it's just to be somebody's person, um, it's just an incredible gift. Um, now I'll get all emotional about it, but, um, she was just great. <laughs> she was just, she was really just heaven sent. And I think that, um, you know, all of this is here just because of her, you know, I think sometimes you, a lot of these kids with cancer have so many issues, right? Because there's no rules for them. Um, but we weren't that way with her. I mean, she had rules, she had bedtime, she had discipline. Um, and she just took it all in stride. Other than a bald head, you'd never know that she had cancer. She was, I don't know. I, I, she was, she was the perfect person to make this all about. So, so to that end, how has, has her example informed the type of organization that ISF is, you know, cause again, there's, unfortunately there's a lot of cancer out in the world. And so there's an, a kind of a never ending amount of organizations trying to address it. But I think ISF has a very unique personality. How did, how did she inform how you go about what you do? Well, I think so much of it has been built off of her. And I think that we say that ISF is successful because we don't do things the way that other people do. Um, you know, there's a lot of cancer organizations out there and a lot of events. And we just always just try to make it a little bit different because that's what she was. She was not a normal five, six, seven-year-old little girl. She just... She talked about it. She kind of put it in your face. And I think that's the other thing that's made us successful is that it has allowed us to talk about pediatric cancer with kids. I mean, I can't tell you how many parents have come and said, I never would have been able to have this conversation with my kid. But Isabella is talking to them about it. She's showing them her line. She talks about chemo. Um, and it's not scary to them. It's just, I just think that too many people don't really put it out there as to what it was. And that's always what she did. She was never shy about what was going on with her. Again, I just it it's it's remarkable to see the team that's come that's coalesced around this and made so much possible because it's you know again at this stage of life a lot of organizations are still struggling yeah. to figure out who they are and get people to pay attention to them. But you've raised millions and millions of dollars uh, in in a relatively short period of time and changed a lot of minds and hearts. What if so what are some of the, the things you've done with the money that that's been that you've raised? What what's been possible because of it? So initially a lot of the money that we raised, uh, we sent to Sloan Kettering, which is where Isabella was being treated. And I kinda say it was kind of me bribing them to keep her alive longer. Um, but then after she passed away, we decided to change the focus and really kinda help kids here in Charlotte. So the first thing we did was um, work with a organization that was um, out of Grand Rapids, Michigan, that was doing a lot of um, clinical trials for neuroblastoma. And they 
the way that it works is that they develop the trials in Grand Rapids and then they partner with 13 other hospitals throughout the U.S. to bring those trials there. And at the time, Levine was not working on its own trials. So it was our way to kind of do something that was going to impact kids immediately. And then those trials were able to come to Charlotte. So we were able to bring one trial to Charlotte um, called DFMO uh, that they actually give to kids that are in remission. Because I think a lot of the times these kids, they get into remission and they just fall right back into it because they're like, oh, okay, we're done, you're off of chemo, and then neuroblastoma just comes back so quickly. So it's actually just a pill that they give kids when they get into remission that keeps the neuroblastoma away, and it's working wonderfully. Um, the, the survivor rate for neuroblastoma is skyrocketing because of this DFMO drug. So that was the first thing that we kind of did here in Charlotte. And then we kind of went to Levine's and said, what can we do? Isabella received this treatment called MIBG out of Philadelphia. And um, at the time that she received the treatment, she was full of cancer. It was a very uh, easy treatment for her. She sat in a room isolated for three days. They kind of bathed her with liquid radiation, low side effects. She wasn't sick. It didn't hurt her. Um, and when you're going through treatments with kids, you are dying to have treatments that are like that um, after you see some of the things you have to put them through. So we went to Levine and said, what would it take to build that room here in Charlotte? Uh, they told us a million dollars, so we raised it. In nine months, we built it. Uh, there's kids using it today. So that was kind of our first big thing at Levine. And then right now, we have partnered with them to build a whole rare and solid tumor program. So really, any cancer that's outside of leukemia and lymphoma is covered now under ISF here in Charlotte. So we're going to be building... Uh, they have a lab here, so we're going to be bringing researchers in, a chair of the department, building an entire group around investigating how to make these kids' lives better that have rare cancers. And there's nowhere in the country that's doing that right now. I think one of the things that's that's remarkable, too, is that once you've, you've conveyed these stories um, – you give people ways that they can that they can get involved, right? I mean, there's uh, there's never there's never a dull week <laughs> around ISF from everything from Jersey Mike's, you know, days to teas, educational things, you know, fundraisers, and the one that's coming up next is the 5K, 10K fun run for kids um, on September the 28th. And you've been doing this for like this is the 12th year. So, I mean, that's a long time. How did, how did the race start? And then what was that first year like? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I guess just a bunch of friends just kind of came together when Isabel was first diagnosed and said, hey, we just want to put on a run for you guys. And, you know, they made like 100% cotton white shirts with a screen print on it, you know, that were just, we had 170 people come out. Isabella was so excited. Her brother Grant was there and, you know, she had a she had just had a brain relapse and she was on steroids. So she was super heavy and just watching her run across the finish line. It was just, I think we raised $7,000 and we thought we were like, you know, too big for our britches at that point. Um, yeah, it's grown up a little bit. Yeah, a little since, bit. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit about what yeah. this year is going to be. So like. this year, um, we usually expect between 2,000 and 2,500 runners. Um, and we have a, probably another th thousand participants that just come out because we have a kid zone and a silent auction um, and everything. So there's a 5K, a 10K, a one mile fun run music, all kinds of stuff, um, and it's all presented by Red Ventures. Um, but this year, we're adding an additional component to it because we kind of felt like, you know, all these people are coming out that are like, I don't want to do a 5K. I just want to come out and support. And then they get there, and they're like, you know, I didn't win a silent auction item, so then they just go home. And I'm like, wait a second. 
what a, we're obviously missing something here. So um, we decided this year to add a brunch component. We reached out to Firebirds, who has been an amazing supporter of ours over the years, and asked if they would be interested in sponsoring a brunch. Um, they agreed. They started giving us a menu, and it's not eggs, pancakes, bacon. It's like chicken and waffles and eggs benedict and just beignets and i mean the brunch menu that they have passed over to us is unbelievable um and then tito's vodka and no brewing company have also been huge supporters of ours and they were like yep we'll give you all the alcohol so we're like okay we just ended up with a massive brunch so we're hoping people will come out that will just you know sit in the brunch zone and have a great breakfast and have a drink and you know have a hazy new hazy IPA from No Dog Brewing Company. Um, and if they don't want to walk it, and it's still a great way to support the foundation. So we're just trying to figure out how to get people involved, but not pigeonhole them into one specific way to be involved with us. So outside of, of running, which obviously uh, we want people to do, and by the way... Or walking. If, or walking, you got it. Right. Participating. Participating. Um, if, you, if you sign up to run or walk and you join Team Charlotte is Creative, we will make an additional $10 donation to ISF uh, on your behalf. So please... Run, walk, and join the team because there is, uh, there's room, and we we want you out there. Um, but w what else can people can what else can they do? Is it can they still contribute silent auction items and all yes. that other stuff? Yes, we have um, a gala coming up in October that we need auction items for. We have auction items at the race. Um, Auction items are so time-consuming to get. So if there are restaurants or hotels or destinations or kids' camps, anybody out there that has something to donate or knows somebody that could get us a donation, um, definitely please try to help us because it's just unbelievable how difficult it is to get stuff. Um, so that's one way that they can help. Um, we're, still in, we're still looking for sponsors for both the race and the gala that we're having in October. Um, that's one way they can help. Um, but honestly, if they go to the website and watch these stories, click the donate button. Give $10. Give it. Give $10 a month. I mean, that's really not that difficult to do. Um, you know, give $5,000. But, you know, there's so many ways that you can get involved. We'd love to have people, if you're inspired, pick one of these kids. Pick Merit and say, I'm going to be an ISF ambassador and create a fundraising page put our story out there, let people know what's going on and raise money on our behalf. I mean, it's just, we can't do this alone. So, and just liking a post just sometimes isn't the way to fix this. That's the first step. Yes. We need to take it a little bit further. Yes. Um, and so you mentioned the, the pumpkin gala, which is coming up at the end of October. Um, and I mean, I was prepared to do a whole pitch for people to buy tickets, <laughs> but that's not necessary nope. anymore, but, yeah. but I think there's still sponsor opportunities and, and like you said, big ticket auction, you know, items, again, what can people do and who do they need to reach out to if they can help with that? Yeah. Um, well they can info at isabellasantosfoundation.org is probably the best way. And then we can funnel you through based off of how you want to help. But, um, we definitely still need auction items sponsors. Oddly enough, we sold out, which happened so quickly, but we don't have a presenting sponsor. Um, we have all these great organizations that are coming in at five, ten thousand, but I'd love to see a twenty thousand dollar presenting sponsor up there. And the amount of people, the the caliber of people that are in this room, it's such a great opportunity to show people here in Charlotte that you're supporting something here locally. We're homegrown. We're a bunch of moms that work out of our living room. 
I mean, we're doing things for kids with cancer. Like, put your business name on that. I think there's no better thing to put your name on. It's like a reverse marketing challenge, right? Yes. I mean, usually you take a flyer on whether or not you, you, that sponsorship is going to attract people, but you've already brought the people. You just need the sponsor to uh, to yeah. be in front of them. Yeah, get up on my stage. Tell them all about yourself, why it's important to be involved in the community. I'll give you the, I'll give you the microphone. Okay, you do, you do everything. Out. You do everything differently. <laughs> <laughs> There's just a different perspective. All right. One more question. Yes. And I want to say, uh, I think you've been really, really good. Like you have, I don't think there's been one swear word in I this know. entire I'm interview. I'm trying so hard. I, I, I so, so. It's because I had leadership coaching and they told me to stop swearing, but I feel like it's part of who I am. Well, guess what? This last question is, is just for you. It's the release that you've been looking for. So you've been really good. Time to let it out. Yeah. When you think about cancer, what curse words come to mind? Oh, fuck. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, have you ever changed diapers with chemo in them? Fuck. <laughs> I mean, have you cleaned, have you caught vomit in the back of your hands? Fuck. Have you ever pulled over on the side of the road because you're driving and your daughter says she has to throw up? Are you fucking kidding me? Like, it's just, fuck just covers all of it. Like, my kid died because people aren't donating. What the fuck? I mean, that's, it encompasses all of it. Like, I have to hold my child down how many times for you to access her port and she's screaming? What the fuck? I mean, I think if Isabella could have said fuck, she would have said fuck. So there's like 18 fucks right there. I, 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 I think that that's the, I mean, payoff. But at the same time, I, I, that's, I can tell you one of the reasons why I've enjoyed working with ISF and why I think you make such a difference is there's no candy coating that goes no. on. This is an ugly, horrible thing that that needs to be eradicated, and that's not going to be done with in genteel fashion. You no. know, uh, wilting lilies are not going to wipe cancer off the face of the earth. Yeah, well, Isabella and Santos and her and her legion are going to do it. Yeah, and I really do think that if anybody had to have this. You, they would change everything. Like if you had to see what all we had to see, if you, if this were your kid, how much would you want people to be involved and just, just sit on the sidelines? Cause it's not dealing with your family or you don't know somebody is just absolutely ridiculous. Well, I, we are, um, we are a better community for, for having had Isabella here and you and Stuart and the amazing team behind you and your entire family, you're changing lives. I know it's not easy, it is a tireless and often very thankless endeavor. Keep it up. And and uh, if you're listening to this, gauntlet thrown. <laughs> Aaron Santos doesn't take no for an answer. Get That's out right. there and fight cancer. Thanks. Hey, Biscuit listeners, this is producer Andy Go. The following segment is part of a partnership with Queen City Nerve. This is a companion piece to a written article that will appear in next week's edition of The Nerve. So after listening to this, make sure you go out and get a copy of Nerve for more information. Like water, like right here, because this is all rock like this, like water coming down off of it, like drops like on rocks. Is that adding too much already? What? Yesterday, I got a chance to visit with several local artists working with Brand the Moth to paint a mural on the campus of Queens University. Tucked deep into the heart of campus, near Hadley Theater, I met up with the artists as they were getting ready to start the job. 
Prep work had just gotten started as the artists discussed their design and where it would fit on the wall. Strewn about were several five-gallon buckets full of rollers and paintbrushes, plenty of painter's tape, and even a brand new power washer. Artist Lavana Parks tells me what's happening. So where we are, uh, we are currently on Queen's University property. So um, they have been generous enough to give us a uh, sizable wall to paint with. And the goal here is to embrace the community and embrace elements of Queens, of Charlotte, of the people who know this area through and through. I asked Irisal Gonzalez, another artist on the job, what the plan was to paint the mural. This is gonna be really fun because we prepped the wall and then we started sketching either with brushes, I think we we're gonna do it with brushes. But since we're involving the community, we gotta make sure they know how to paint a mural. So we're going to do color, so we have to separate sections for them to be able to just put solid color on. And if we get some students or somebody who has a little bit more um, art knowledge or technical knowledge, uh, then they can help us blend and do all the others. But right now we're prepping so that we can bring in people who don't usually paint or draw to help us do it. Sam Guzzi, founder of Brand the Moth, fills me in on Brand the Moth's background. Brand the Moth is a nonprofit for community arts. Um, we support public art across the city and we create community projects um, like the one that will be happening at Queens this, uh, this Saturday. We've got coloring book murals across the city and really our mission with that is to give more people in the general public an idea of what it's like to paint murals and be able to give ownership back to the neighborhoods that they're being painted in. Um, and that's really how our mission started, as well as being able to support artists in the arts community with whatever they need. So people come to us with project ideas and or crazy ideas, and we do everything that we can to really support that vision and the, the artist community here in Charlotte. So it looks very different on all different accounts, but the education side and the community mural sides um, really what we're focusing on right now. Why did you start Brand the Moth? That's a good question. Um, when I came down here, uh, I'm originally from Philadelphia, and I came from a city of murals. Uh, I've been painting murals since I was 15. Uh, my whole family did tours of murals. Like, I've just been in it, and everywhere you look, they're there. When I came here, you had to look for it. You really had to dig a little bit. And once I found the artist community and the murals that were happening, I'm like, this is killer. It needs to be more on the surface. So I really, myself and my team spent about a year just talking to as many artists as we possibly could um, about what they wanted to see in Charlotte's as far as the arts community, as far as support for the artists and murals, especially on a public scale. Um, and from all of that and talking to as many people as we can, we designed the programming really around Charlotte and what it needed. And so everything that we've done is very reactory um, in the moment. And uh, community murals were about education. There was a disconnect between artists and public. So, okay, let's teach them how to paint murals. Let's do this. Let's create a collaborative environment um, and show artists that we can all work together. We all have the same goal. Like, let's do this. That's awesome. It seems like so much of what you stand for and what you represent with Brand the Moth is encapsulated in, in a project like this one. Yeah. Um, where did the name come from? Brand the Moth uh, came from two different things. Um, at first, when I was thinking of the name, I was in a studio that didn't have any screens on the window. And so all of these moths kept visiting me at night and then they'd leave and they were never staying in my studio. They're just saying hello. 
So I knew it had to do with moths, but I didn't know why. And my partner at the time, uh, we were teetering with the idea and we looked up the symbolism and moths really stand for the determination and transformation. So we wanted to brand murals as the idea of transformation and that determination behind the city's growth. Um, so it's a very symbolic um, name, but it gets it's a conversation starter, <laughs> more so than we intended. But um, yeah, it's symbolically representing what we do as a group. One thing I noticed about the artist Sam had painting this mural was that they were very accomplished in a number of other mediums, but none of them in murals. I asked her why. So this is our newest program. Um, we've designed it as a residency program. We were not sure if we'd be able to launch this year, but with a C20 grant, we were like, all right, it's time to have in and do this. Um, so we really wanted to, since we started Brand the Moth, we wanted to give access to first-time muralists. It really is a challenging industry to get your foot in the door um, for many reasons. and. Um, it's a, a lot of hard work to do so. And so we wanted to make sure that artists had the access that they needed to be able to start that, as well as the support that they needed to learn how to really go about doing it. Um, so we designed this program. It was an application-based program. Uh, so all of these guys were a part of a big pool of applicants. Um, we had a big selection committee to um, pick out these guys we thought went through their portfolio as well as their application answering questions of why they wanted to be a part of community arts and what their work could give back to Charlotte um, and all of these guys really were that was a big focus in their work personally and so it translated really well to murals and we're very excited to have them all part of this first group. Lavana says that painting the murals is something she's always wanted to do but has never been able to get into. That's changing now with this project. This is what I wanted, you know. I manifested this, I asked for this, I put this out into the universe, and it has given me it right back, and now I'm off and running. Artist Franklin Kearns, or F. Kearns, says he appreciates the collaborative spirit he feels working with Brand the Moth. It's always good to bring artists together, because a lot of the times um, we can be I guess recluse and kind of stick to ourselves and stick to our circles. I feel like they did a good job in bringing people together, um, giving them time to work and also um, giving them a little bit of education. And when you bring people together, bring artists together, you're bouncing ideas. Um, it's good for creativity and it's good for community. Sam Guzzi tells me what other artists can do if they want to work with Brand the Moth. You can visit our website, brandthemoth.com, um, or email us at brandthemoth at gmail. We always have space for volunteers. We can always update about projects if you want to just have a hand in painting at one point, or if questions or anything, seriously, any inquiries about anything revolving the arts, we're always willing to try and answer your questions. So just send us an email. Um, and we'll see what we can do together. Murals are an amazing thing for a city and they're really important, um, especially in a city that's growing like this. Um, it allows us to communicate and show our ideals as a city, as people, not just on the surface level, but the true community behind the growth of the city, the working class, the everybody that's building this city together, murals can create that, um, or can show that voice, that collective voice. And I think it's really important for a city. So support your local artists, support your local muralists, um, get out there and paint something. Uh, it's, a, it's a good thing for Charlotte and I'm excited to see more of it happen.
finally, Frank Kearns just hopes people are inspired by the work they're creating. A big thing for me is inspiration. I like to be inspired. I mean, I like for other people to be inspired to not only um, enjoy the art, but to be inspired into their personal journeys, um, to be inspired to do what they want to do, um, no matter what any, anyone else says or any other obstacles that could be in your way. But especially if you're concerned about putting paint on top of it and not having it, if that's like a, a legit concern, then I feel like we should wait to make sure that before we do all this, that it's not going to... Remember, make sure to check out the companion piece to this segment in next week's edition of Queen City Nerve. Saying something about it raining last night and just yeah. taking precautions. Somebody should be okay. out here. So then let's just wait. Uh, no, but it's on right. I feel we like we should wait. It's not going to take that long for a surprise. Maybe like and now, another mogul moment from Nikki Issa. Be like water. Be like water. I need you to understand that your life and you yourself need to start being more like water. You need to start going with the flow. Not like the dead fish, because only dead fish go with the flow. But you got to flow with life, because you got to understand that sometimes life will try to transform you just like water in a glass. Sometimes it's half empty, sometimes it's half full. But you got to be that water. You got to be clear and transparent and authentic enough for you. Be like water. Sometimes you might have those ice cold moments when you got to get cold to people who actually don't understand your soul sometimes you got to do that but this is part of being like water you got to understand that that thing that water gives to you is the same thing that your gift can do for you if you just start to believe it too that's how you be like water you got to be able to come into a situation and actually grow it and nourish it because isn't that what water does for us isn't that what water does for plants it's the same thing seeds seeds to grow into different trees and a lot of us are still planting seeds but guess what that's okay because your harvest is coming you have to understand that water is needed for you to actually be the person that you were called to be i know sometimes when the water rains sometimes you actually sit there and you sit in the pain but you got to understand that sometimes water comes to clear it out so you can actually have your own lane be like water and adapt to the many situations be like water and quit being impatient be like water and actually be the one that you're waiting for be the one that the things is going to the door because I'm telling you, it's open it up if you just let it in. Be like water when it actually cleanses your skin. Be like water when it nurses from within. You gotta know what you wanna do for fun. You gotta know what you wanna do for life because the water thing has just begun. It's flowing like rivers and creeks and oceans. It doesn't matter. You are the potion. That's the reason why water is actually in just about everything that matters. Water is in the thing that you need. Water is everything that you see. You got to realize that you gotta transform into water so it can be who you want it to be. But a lot of us don't want to be like water. We don't want to just flow. We don't want to adapt to what's going on. We'd rather be like, what? I don't know, rocks and clays and things that don't remember the name. But I got you to understand something in that pain. The only way that you can heal it is putting water in your veins. Dream it up, believe it up, drink it up, whatever you need to do. I need you to be like water because it is true for you. That's the reason why most of your inside body is actually made up of water. Think about that. The next time I want you to understand that you are supposed to only be like water. Be like water. Love. Matt, do you know what time it is? 
I think I do know what time it is. I think it's time to play Queen City Quiz Show. That was sort of in harmony. I know. Like a little bit? I think we've been practicing it. No, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't give us any credit online. All so right. what's the uh, what's the topic right. today? This is a, a, pl- a question about the intersection between religion and real estate. I'm listening. All right. So last week, a piece of property in Charlotte, I'm not going to say which neighborhood, went up for sale. It's a highly controversial piece of property, but it is also overlaid on top, said to be where Billy Graham had his conversion, where he mm, found Jesus. I know of what you speak. Yeah, not the current now, <laughs> not the current place, Correct. but what once stood there. Yeah. So if you which know, which probably a field. Yeah. So do you know the answer to that? Do, Matt, do you know the answer? To I that? actually do know the answer to this, nice. but of course, you know, I'm going to keep it to myself. So how does somebody win the reward, and and what is the air quote? Reward. Yes. So, well, the, the way you win said reward, which I'll say in a minute, is that you simply email your answer to hello at charlotteiscreative.com. That is hello at charlotteiscreative.com. Not CLT is creative, right? We, are, is. we spell out the city. Yes. It's a beautiful name. And it's it a beautiful to be, name. It, it, it deserves to be represented in all of its magnificence. I couldn't agree more. So, if you think you know the answer, send it to hello at charlotteiscreative.com. And again, the the, the prize is <laughs> that M- Matt and Tim are going to treat you to coffee at Not Just Coffee J Street, right? Yes. So you have two options. Option A is coffee with a side order of conversation with Matt and Tim. B is coffee paid for by Matt that's and Tim. That's right. That's right. You can simply <laughs> allow us to purchase it, hand you the cup, and then you can probably tell us to go in yeah. another direction think of it like a combo meal like when i go to uh, you know my my blow for health now is to say i will have that chick-fil-a sandwich or i will have that fillet chicken co- uh cajun fillet chicken combo yeah minus the combo so you just get the sandwich and you yeah, leave the, i feel you leave better the sides. You know, i'm leaving i'm leaving the fries so behind. we're that we're the seasoned fries in this analogy we are the seasoned yeah, fries we, we the can sweet easily tea. be jettisoned from this okay. reward all right well that said, we hope that you'll uh, send your your uh, answers in, and uh, hopefully we'll be uh, having some coffee with one of you fine listeners soon. Or not having coffee with you. Your choice. Or not. Thanks again to Aaron Santos, Sam Guzzi, Lavana Parks, Franklin Kearns, and Nikki Eason for speaking with us. But of course, thank you, the listener, for tuning in to the Biscuit Podcast. That's all the time we have for today's episode of The Biscuit. Remember to subscribe to The Biscuit Podcast for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please remember to leave us a rating and a review so that other creative charlatans can hear about us, or better yet, just tell your friends. Finally, get the scoop on Charlotte's creative scene delivered straight to your inbox every week by subscribing to the Biscuit email newsletter. Do that right now at BiscuitCLT.com. The Biscuit Podcast is produced by Tim Miner, Matt Olin, and Andy Goh. Music by Harvey Cummings. Thank you.